We're thrilled to announce that we now have seven powerful devotionals available on YouVersion's Bible app. For those not in the know, YouVersion is the top Bible app in the world, and we're honored to be on this incredible platform. Our devotionals dive deep into the pillars that define the lion within us, health, wealth, and self. So whether you're seeking spiritual growth, financial wisdom, or personal development, these devotionals are tailor-made for you. So ready to embark on this transformative journey and unleash the lion within you? Head over to thelionwithin.us slash uversion to access our devotions on the uversion app. Join thousands of like-minded individuals and dive into the word with us. That's thelionwithin.us slash uversion. That's Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. And let's grow together and become the leaders God intends us to be. Welcome to The Lion Within Us, a podcast serving Christian men who are hungry to be the leaders they're predestined to be. I'm your host, Chris Granger. Let's jump in. The scripture of the week, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. For you created my innermost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful all your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was in my, made in secret and skillfully formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my formless substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Guys, that's a powerful scripture. And again, go back to the, to the spiritual kickoff that we did earlier this week. Really unpack that 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 scripture, those verses gave you some insights, some things to think about, right? So for this week, I told you it was a big guest. I told you I was very excited. So who do we have? We have Mr. Al Robertson. That's right, Mr. Al Robertson from Duck Commander, Unashamed Podcast, uh, Duck Dynasty, the, the beardless brother on that show, if you will. But Al and I have a wonderful conversation. Guys, he unpacks a ton. We talk about defending the defenseless. We talk about forgiveness in marriage. We talk about, you know, what that looks like for their family. And this also what it looks like to run a crazy podcast that drops four times a week when they're studying God's word. So, guys, this is a phenomenal episode. You don't want to miss this one. Al just reveals so much raw truth. There's just just a genuine raw uh, vulnerability type conversation here. I pray it serves you well. Guys, this has been a a bucket list item for me to be able to have a conversation with Al. So I'm completely just blown away by this opportunity. I pray it blesses you. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Al Robertson. Welcome to The Lion Within Us. I can't believe I actually said those words, but welcome to the show, sir. <laughs> Glad to be here. Thank well, you for having me, Chris. Oh, this is this is the, the I, I, I can honestly say for my wife, she was... Uh, I, she was so excited. She's like, you're like a kid in a candy store this morning. She was like, Christmas night. She's like, I'll be so glad when you finally get to talk to Al because that's all you talk about. So I was like, all right, so this is happening. We're here. And well, uh, in, in her defense, it's taken us a while to connect because yeah. we, we, was, we started this process a, a while back, but we finally got it all together. Praise the Lord. There we you go. Uh, got those schedules worked out and I'm here. So. Amen. Amen. And, and, you know, as a, I can tell you guys, I, I haven't shared a lot with my listeners about the podcast that I listen to. I probably do need to have an episode about that. But I will say I'm a, an unashamed addict. Uh, I listen to you guys every week and I learn, I grow, you know, just by the, the way you guys connect. I just think it's, it's probably the best podcast out there. So if you're listening and you haven't listened to Unashamed, shame on you. Get on over there and, <laughs> and sign up on for that one. Cause I tell you what, just the way you guys dig into God's word. And and if you didn't, if you're new to the show, you know, you guys kind of step all over each other. But I think that's the beauty of the show, because you just you just <laughs> the Holy Spirit just guides it. Well, you know, what's funny, Chris, is so it all started because we're under dad used to have a show on Blaze TV. Actually used to be called CRTV. And then they merged with Blaze, with Glenn Beck's organization. Mm -hmm. And so when they did that, <clears throat> then his show, which was called In the Woods with Phil, and we were producing it. So it was like a video blog. And we did 800 episodes uh, spread out over over four years. And um, and it was a great show, just kind of dad unplugged in the woods doing what he does. Right. And uh, and so my cousin and I, Zach, we produced 
that show for Blaze because we'd started a production company. And so about three years ago, they were like, you know, it's in the contract that we could do a podcast. And would you guys be willing or would your dad be willing? And I said, well, yeah, I think, you know, he probably would. You know, what would we do it about? You know, and they were like, well, we were thinking something biblical because, you know, they're like a conservative, uh, mm-hmm. you know, platform in terms of political. And so most of their hosts are, you know, political commentators. And, you know, we, we dive a little bit into that as well. But, you know, we're we're like way upstream. You know, our deal is. We we want to take a biblical high view right. and then try to change the heart. And then we can get to the politics, you know, when we get there. Right. And so they they said, we, we don't really have anything biblical on the platform. And would you guys be willing to do Bible? And I was like, can, can we, are you saying you're going to pay <laughs> <Right>. us <laughs> to do Bible? And so, uh, but it was really weird because it started out, nobody knows this. I, 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 I I don't think I've ever told anybody in public. So this will be new news to your audience. All right. All right. Uh, When we started, Jace wasn't a part of the conversation. Okay. So it was just just dad. And then he was going to, I was going to get like some guys to kind of rotate through with him. And so I kind of had a format set up. And at first I wasn't really, you know, part of it either. And then, so more we talked, I thought, man, I don't know that dad can just, you know, handle like, ads and you know all the stuff that you have to do around a podcast as you know oh yeah and you know lead-ins and intros and outros and all this stuff so i said well look dad i'll just kind of be the host and you'll you and i'll just talk about the bible and i said then maybe we'll just get a guest come in you know every so often because we were only starting with one a week right so we so dan dan the eunuch is is his name from dad uh, which that's a whole nother story, but he, uh, Dan is, uh, he works for dad. So he said, why don't we get Dan on here? I said, well, I don't know. Dan's he's real smart, but he, t- you know, he doesn't say much. He's kind of quiet. Right. So this is, this is all about talking. And, uh, so we tried it and, uh, we did about 20 episodes. I now call them the lost episodes and we weren't even calling it unashamed back then. The original name for it was, uh, something about, net the fisherman's net i think because we were talking about commercial fishing and we did a thing on the disciples and so we just kind of started at genesis and we're doing a little bit of biblical and we recorded maybe 20 episodes and we still hadn't like finalized the deal we were just kind of getting a feel for it and uh with dan me and dad and then uh all of a sudden zach calls me and he says you know uh they're talking to jace blaze is they he won't they wanted to be on the podcast i said really I said, and he said he would. I was shocked. <laughs> and they were, he was like, yeah, I think he, he wants to do it. So we changed everything. We scrapped the, you know, what we had started. And right. I don't know if those episodes are around someplace, but one of these days we need to drag them out and look at them. So then we started and we called it Unashamed and it was Jace and Dad and I. And so I guess the rest is now history. So we've been doing it for three years. And as you described, it's really just kind of a Robertson Bible study. Yeah. And a lot of our audience at first, we're kind of a little taken back because they would be like, oh, people are talking over each other and, you know, you're arguing this, that and the other. And Jace interrupts Phil too much. And so we were getting all these complaints. Right. <laughs> but it was like we finally the audience understood later after being with us over this long period of time mm-hmm. that that's just the way we are. In other words, right. we're not being disrespectful to each other. It's just the way we grew up. I mean, you, you got to get your yeah. word in. And so a lot of times we'll have a fourth person on the podcast, a guest. And I'm yeah. like, look, you just got to jump in there. You know, I'm going right. to try to help you as much as I can, but you can't be shy or you're not right. going to, you're not getting anything in. <laughs> That's right. But I do think it's great though, because when Phil speaks of, as, as a patriarch, you know, you guys definitely defer and he, he gets to have his voice, but I just think it's great. The, 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 the way you guys just really work off each other, that iron sharpens iron throughout every episode. Yeah. It's really been great. And you know, dad, <clears throat> I've been a little surprised because you know, I mean, he's always, he's your dad. And of course we've always looked mm-hmm. up to him and he's always, like you said, he's our patriarch, but it's the first time we've ever done anything like this together. I mean, obviously we were on national television, but that's more other people involved. And I mean, right. this is, you know, we're driving the train of this podcast. And so sometimes I'll see him as he's sitting there and Jason, and I'll be, you know, pontificating about something yeah. and going on and he's just kind of marvels. And then, you know, and of course sometimes he'll say something on air, but a lot of times he'll go home and tell mom, you know, I, I'm just so I, I get to listen to Alan Jason. He said, you know, I mean, I know they're my sons, but them two cats are sharp. You know, they know the book, you know, so it's really right. funny. And it's been it's touching to me to know that we get to 
at this stage in our life, I mean, I'm in my fifties and so is Jason. Here's dad in his seventies. Right. And yeah, we're getting to do Bible study together and millions of people are going along on the ride with us. And so it's just a very great blessing that I'll always have to remember. And even when dad's gone, you know, to just be able to remember all this and, and have it all where you can, you know, look at it again. And my, my grandkids can look at it. So. I am curious too, you know, right now you're going through Hebrews. How do you pick the the books? I mean, is that, is that a, a group decision or you can, I know you're the host and you're, do you kind of lead that effort there? Uh, I do, but I, I typically, I, I like for Jace to be, calm. dad will do whatever, you know, and right. I'm pretty easy too. Jace is the one that's a little more particular. So usually I'll say, you know, when we get about where we are now, we got a few chapters left in Hebrews. Right. I said, have you thought about where you think we need to go from here? And so he'll think about it. We'll pray about it. And then, so he and I usually come up with that. And the, so far the pattern kind of has been, we, we, we like to keep it Jesus centered. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we try to stay away from just like church doctrine and that kind of thing. But sometimes when you're in a text, you have to deal with it. Right. And, uh, but I feel like we do better in kind of bigger picture books. That's why I think Hebrews has been such a great study. Um, but I, you know, I would imagine we're probably heading back to one of the gospels. We've done John and we've done Matthew. Uh, I'm thinking maybe Mark is, is my suggestion. So if Jace likes right. that idea, cause it's a shorter one, won't take us yep. quite as long, but we, we like to keep it pretty tight to Jesus. We feel like the unashamed life is, is day in and day out. And we know our audience, which is, is a lot of different, you know, it, it's across the spectrum in terms of age, you know, gender, all that. But most of our audience are young men. And right. so we, we feel like our number one job is to try to help disciple those guys in their early walk. Some of them are brand new, you know, believers. And, um, and so, you know, we realize that's kind of our role is to teach Bible, uh, teach them how to be men, how to be great husbands, you know, all those things that kind of come along with that. So we try to be inclusive, but we know that's our core. And so we try to, you know, pick things and pick topics and pick books that will do that. And of course we've been blessed because, um, because of Blaze and and because of our show, obviously we we mm -hmm. get a lot of some high profile guests on as well when they're you know trying to push a book or whatever. And so we've been blessed by some really amazing guests. Uh, you know, Ben Carson was just on. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking about Carson. Yeah. Oh man, he he's just he's brilliant. And uh, but he he fell in love with us so much, so he came down um, about a month ago and spent a weekend. He and and his wife yeah. Candy with mom and dad. And loved it. And they had a big time and he spoke at our church and we had a community wide event and I was gone. I, I wasn't even there, but uh, he's coming back to duck hunt for his first time ever. He had never shot a gun before and he got to shoot an AR and he was so excited about it. So he's going to come back to duck hunt in December. So uh, when we do that, we'll have him on the podcast again. Now, we, now, we, now we're going to try to redneck a fire. Dr. Ben Carson. Go. So that's <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was definitely one of my favorite episodes, just hearing him. And, and I mean, hats off to you guys. Three episodes a week. I don't think that the listeners may not know as someone who runs a podcast and we drop three times a week. I can appreciate the effort that goes in. I mean, that's that's a big commitment. And, and hats off to you guys, because you're serving so many people with with just amazing content week in, week out. Yeah, it's uh, and I appreciate that. It is it is a lot of work. Uh, we we typically record two, and actually we're doing four now. Uh, we're up to four a week, so we do uh, we record two on Monday and two on Tuesday, and then they drop those throughout the week. So you're usually never over about four days behind our content because right. you know obviously we still you know are trying to uh, engage the audience in what's going on in the world, uh, but we're just right. trying to do it from a bi biblical narrative. So. Absolutely. And, and speaking of that, I know today we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, defending the defenseless. And, you know, a lot of things have been happening in our country lately. And, you know, Roe versus Wade fell. So now it's back on the states. And I'm just curious. Al, I know this is something you're very passionate about from a from a Christian man standpoint. That is our our audience here at the line within us. You know, what should we be doing to, to step up and stand up and and start serving and, and, and defending the, the defenseless even more? Well, um, yes, you're right. It's a, uh, it's a big deal for us. And just to, so your audience will know, cause you, you read our book or one of our books, um, Lisa, my wife, and we've been married 38 years. And when she was 16, we actually had met and I was, you know, I had about four years of what I call my prodigal wandering years right. uh, when I was a teenager. And unfortunately for Lisa and for us now, uh, that's when we first met was when I was terrible. 
<clears throat> and she was actually a pretty good girl when I met her. And so I was part of her corruption, the, the evil one used. Mm -hmm. And so then I broke her heart, <clears throat> went to New Orleans, um, you know, still just selfish and living a terrible life. And so right. when I did that, it just kind of sent her into a tailspin. And so for the year and a half while I was gone, you know, she just had a terrible life in West Monroe. And during that time, she got pregnant uh, when she was 16. And uh, the guy was older than her. I want to say he was 20 or, or so. And um, but he wanted her to have the baby and he wanted to marry her. I mean, he was in love with her. But of course, mm -hmm. she's only 16, still in right. school. And her parents, you know, just said, we're not helping with this. And they kind of believe the lie that has been around since all this, you know, has been going on since I guess the seventies that, that it's not a person. It's not, it's not your grandchild. It's not your daughter. It's not right. your son. And so they encouraged her to get an abortion and she did. And so, you know, that has been a part of her difficulty in life, you know, so you really struggle with that. Even so I came back into the picture, my life changed. I helped her life mm -hmm. change. And, you know, we got married and had two daughters ourselves, but she still carries this guilt and all this stuff from this child that she, she, cause then when she started, you know, getting older and maturing, she realized that that was, that was my baby. That was, you know, right. And so obviously I had a huge impact on her and, um, along with a lot of other problems. And she pretty much just had what I would call a breakdown, uh, in her mid thirties yeah. and just, you know, had an affair with this person. I was working for the church. And so our marriage was just at the door. Uh, right. being over. I mean, we were ready to walk through that divorce door. But because of that being a part of her story, I think that's made us very passionate now uh, on behalf of the unborn and on behalf of the you know pro-life movement. And yeah. <clears throat> like everybody else, I kind of became, you know, politically aware in the 80s. And so I was a Reagan mm -hmm. guy and I was obviously pro-life was a big part of, you know, who I was, even though in the party, Republican Party, you know, it was kind of went Yet some that did and some that didn't. But right. I saw the pro-life movement more angry. And, you know, a lot of times they would picket uh, these abortion clinics or abortion doctors. And, you know, even some of them were killed, you know, they and, and it was right. all kind of part of the pro-life movement. So it kind of soured me because I was just like, man, it just doesn't seem like we're impacting. We, we look like the bad guys and they're the ones yeah. killing the babies, you know. Right. <clears throat> and so somewhere that changed. And I don't know when. But when when you started seeing less of that and you started seeing more pregnancy centers, more right to life, uh, peaceful, you know, loving, let's pray for people. Let's try to help people. Let's try to help these young women and, and young men mm -hmm. who are going through this. And so I think when that happened, I think with the spirit changed in the pro-life movement. And I think that's what you see today, which is why I think we finally had the success we've been praying for. And Roe v. Wade was a big part of that. But but it's so misunderstood by most Americans because people on the left and, and pro I don't even call them pro-choice because they don't even believe in pro-choice. They believe in pro-death. Mm -hmm. But right. the pro-death side, you know, they've just made up a bunch of all the Supreme Court did was say, look, it should have been decided in states to begin with. And so, you know, this thing about, hey, you know, the government, get the government out of my uterus or out of my body and, you know, all these chants you hear. Right. That's exactly what that was. I mean, the federal right. government said we're getting yeah. out of this discussion. And so that's the truth of it. But you don't hear that very often. And so now I think to your answer your question, that was a long way around. I think that now people at the state level have to get really involved, whether it's you get involved with right to life, uh, support pregnancy centers. Um, whether it's financially volunteer and, and just be aware, uh, do a little bit of digging, a little bit of research about what's going on because you can't believe everything you see on the internet. Uh, Lisa and I just went up to Kansas because what's going to happen now is you're going to have state legislatures that are going to have to make decisions about, are we going to make it amend our constitutions where you can't abortion is not a, a, a civil right in this state. And so that's what's happened with Kansas. And so they don't have that on the books. And so that's the law they're working on. So August 2nd, uh, they're going to vote on that. And so we went up right. and went all around the state, visited six cities, had rallies everywhere. And all those people that were there, I mean, they were basically there to rally other Kansans to find out what this was about in their state. And so I think that's what states have to do. You live in a state uh, that I would say is kind of trying to purple. 
you know, because you got a lot of uh, influences from other states that are coming into your state. So those are the battlefronts to me now is you got to make sure you let local representation know, because now that the Supreme Court has said it's a state decision, the states are going to have to do something and for that to happen. But I, I think it's better because I think the people have a clear voice at the state level and the local level. The government, the federal government is just a disaster zone, but but yeah. they, they're not listening. You know, the, the people right. go up there, but they're not listening. But I think at the state levels, you know, you talk to a state assemblyman or in my case, you know, in our state, a state legislator, and they, they'll listen. They'll listen to what the people want to do. And I just think at the heart of hearts, I know this, this has been a divisive issue for years in the U.S., but I mean, if you if people know what an abortion really is and if they ever see it in some format or fashion, then it's hard to be for that. You know, it's hard to tear human beings apart and then say that's a good thing. Right. Amen. Hey, guys, we'll be right back from a break. Is your daily routine setting you up for success or failure? Each day is an opportunity to improve and it starts with solid habits. We created a guide that outlines nine powerful habits that will strengthen the physical, mental, and spiritual areas of your life. To get your free guide, check out the link in the show notes or hop over to the lionwithin.us slash habits. That's the lionwithin.us slash habits and start creating the habits you need to be the leader you're predestined to be. You know, Al, one thing, you know, I've been on, we've never been through an abortion, but I've been in a quiet delivery room. Okay. So we had a stillborn in 2020. Yep. And to be there and to, to see the lifeless baby and to, and to thank my little girl, her name was Faith, uh, right there at her due dates when she passed. Um, you know, there's some states where she could have been aborted, yeah. you know, right, right then, right? And, and I'm sitting there holding her lifeless, you know, just the worst trauma we could ever go through. I just can't imagine how you can make that decision. And, and so, I mean, I'm so, so thankful for, for the, the decision. But now we need to start standing up as Christian men. Right. and. And, and take a stand. And I love how you said, I've heard you say it several times. If you're pro-life, you got to be pro-adoption. Yep. You need to be, you know, to really need to start taking a stance. So maybe you can, can share a little bit more on that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and thank you for bringing that up because the pro-life movement, this is the entire life, you know? And mm-hmm. so, cause what, here's what happens. So we're, if we're more successful and convincing women, but primarily not to abort their baby, then we're going to have a lot more people. That will need right. taken right. care of because a lot of times these women aren't in a position to take care of a child, which means mm-hmm. you need adoption. And because we do have a lot of families that can't have children or they right. get to a point in their life where, you know what, they've raised their three kids and they're like, you know what? I mean, I, I feel like we could, you know, have another child in our family and, and it would be great. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of decisions are being made. And that's so that's a big part now going forward. I, I feel like in the pro-life is pro-adoption. And also mm-hmm. pro foster because you may, mm-hmm. and not everybody has that makeup. I mean, but, but there are a lot of people that do that can take a baby in and maybe have it just a few weeks, a few months, you know, because they're in the system, you know, their parents yeah. in jail, whatever. And, you know, help. Kind of like Jace is doing right exactly. now. Exactly. Jace you is know? doing, Jason Missy. I mean, look, and they've talked about on the podcast, they're 50 mm-hmm. years old. I, I mean, I, I, I know it's how bad it is for them and how hard it is. Right. Them, but, they had a heart and God just, you know, mm-hmm. dropped it literally in their lap, this little boy. And so they're stepping up to the plate and it's not easy and it's difficult. But now, of course, they're hooked. You know, they love this little boy and they, they yeah. want to make sure right. he's protected. And so that's exactly the the type of things we can do. And even if you, you know, that's not your thing, you know, that's you're not you don't feel led there, call there to adopt or be as a part of a you know foster situation. Uh, be right. a supporter of those who are. I mean, one of the things that mm-hmm. I always talked about in our church back home is because we have some, you know, foster families there. Look, let's let's what can I do to help you guys? I mean, is, mm-hmm. is can I financially help you? I mean, can can I help pay a bill? Can I help do something? Because these people right. are stepping out to make a difference. And so I want to walk alongside them. We had a program in Louisiana back when uh, Bobby Jindal was our governor because we had we had about um, 800 kids. I think they were in the foster system. And so. This group that was there called Louisiana Family Forum, they said, look, we want to make a push. And the governor has agreed to help us. He's going to cut red tape 
We want to try to get every child in Louisiana that's in the foster system in someone's home, and we want them to be in a Christian home. And so Mm -hmm. they didn't get all 800, but I think they managed 500 over the course of a year and a half. And they Mm -hmm. did it by churches saying, look, if if a family here will agree to take one of these children into your home, we've got five families that are going to be there to help support you, whether it's financially, to help watch the kids, whatever. And so Mm -hmm. churches got involved with government. And, you know, you don't see that very often. It's not an alliance, you know, that usually works too well. But in this case, we help kids because of because of that. So I, I think that for your audiences you know, looking into it is, is whatever you can do to help, whether it's life, whether it's adoption, whether it's foster, you know, whether it's even even a check you send to a, a pregnancy center, even a even a thirty dollar check makes a difference right. in someone in this movement, in the in this, you know, what we're doing on, on the side of pro-life. So uh, I, obviously, you know, as you said, I'm we're passionate about it. We've been a part of it for a pretty good while. We're meeting a lot of amazing people. Uh, Tim Tebow right. and all these other folks that, you know, yeah. have similar stories. Um, you know, we're banding together. You and I were talking before we came on the air about the Benham brothers. They're another couple of live yeah. wires for Jesus. And, and their dad, Flip, has been involved since, you know, he yeah. baptized Norma McCorvey, who was, you know, right. was Roe v. Wade. So uh, really great movement and great minded people out there. But we need support across the board. What, so maybe get some uh, tips or some advice for the guys listening. You know, we're talking to Christian leaders and, and guys that are just maybe they're serving in their church one way or the other. What can we be doing in our churches or should, or should we be asking our, to, to try to step our, our churches to step up to support the pro-life movement? <clears throat> and specifically, because I know that can be tricky sometimes, but I'd love to get your input on, on what we could be doing. Well, there. one of the things that were a couple of things, uh, one is churches need to be the main supporters of uh, pregnancy centers. And so if you've got okay. one in your community, then churches should be lining up behind them. What can we do to help your banquets? What can we, can you put the baby bottles out here? You know, they, all these, these creative people, and they're mostly women. And a lot of them I've yeah. noticed have been post abortive. And so they, they have had their guilt things a lot like Lisa, and then they've gotten involved mm-hmm. and they're the ones running a lot of these places. And so they come up with some great ideas, but they got to have people. You know, to be able to support that, to be able to make it happen. So I would say if you've got a pregnancy center in your community, make sure your church has asked them, what can we do to help you? Um, You know, because we want to be supportive. Another thing is there are a lot of new uh, ministries in this area that are starting up. One of them is one called Embrace Grace. And uh, it's it's a woman named Amy Ford out of Dallas that started it. And basically it's your church connecting with the pregnancy center and saying, look, our church wants to help walk alongside unpregnant, unwed mothers. And so what they do is someone, someone will have to be a volunteer and, and kind of head it up, but then they have small groups. They do a baby shower. They teach them the yeah. Bible, but that your church now, instead of just saying, well, man, it's shameful that some, this person got pregnant. Now they're saying, we want to help you deal with that. We want to help you deal with the results of that. Mm-hmm. And we want to walk alongside you. So even if they're giving the baby up for adoption or they're going to keep the baby, the, our church is helping that. So at our church, at any given time, um, we'll have about three to six uh, unwed mothers from our community. And mm-hmm. they've been guided to us from the pregnancy center. They've obviously made a decision, the right decision not to abort their baby. Now they need some love and they need some support. Yeah. And it's a way for your church to get on the front line of this ministry. So uh, that's just one that I know of, but, and there's been some others. And so I think anything your church can do to engage people that have made mistakes, which we all do, mm-hmm. uh, then we're on the front line of, of where we're supposed to be. And that one wasn't just want to make sure we get that for our listeners. Embrace Grace by Amy Ford. Embrace Grace. Yeah. And you can look it up and, oh, okay. and see that, what they're doing. Yeah. And, and a lot of, you know, that's that's what they'll do. They'll and they'll have, you know, they have a national thing that helps. But then they're really mm-hmm. at the root level, at the, at the local levels, how they impact people. OK, we'll, we'll we'll sync that up and put that in the show notes for you listeners. If you want to go check that out and support and, and find out more and take that to your church, let's, I definitely highly encourage that. So, hey, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. You wouldn't jump in a boxing ring and expect to win without training, right? So why do you think you can win the battle against Satan without putting in the work? For the Christian man, it starts with knowing scripture in your heart. To help you out, 
and get started with your training, we created a free guide of 10 scriptures you need to fight like a lion. Go grab this free resource and I'm going to come alongside of you in a series of personal and engaging messages designed to challenge and help you grow. So get equipped today with scripture that will help you fight the battle you're in. Visit thelionwithin.us to get started today. That's thelionwithin.us to unlock this free guide you need to fight like a lion. So, so Al, you, you you really covered a lot here on the pro-life, but I also know you really want to, when we were talking about the things we should talk about, and, and particularly for our guys, we try to help them in their marriages. Yeah. And we talked about forgiveness and you have a wonderful story. Actually, you have a, a whole book on forgiveness. And, you know, so maybe for those that don't know what your story is, maybe could you give them an overview of what that looks like and forgiveness in your marriage? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. Well, I kind of told you how Lisa and I met and and yes, sir. how I was a prodigal. And, and I guess she ultimately wound up being that as well, that we neither one of us had a relationship with Christ. Now, I had known at one time, I mean, when I was young. You know, the Lord and I were, you know, simpatico. I, you know, I love the Lord. He he saw me through a, a not a great upbringing because Dad wasn't uh, right. converted to Christianity until he was till I was about ten years old, and he was twenty eight. I was going to ask you how old yeah, you I was were. Ten. So you were about ten, uh, and okay. uh, so I saw a lot, you know, and and grew up in right. a, in a non Christian home in a tough environment. But God had had His hand on me the whole time because there was a preacher mm-hmm. uh, that lived across the street from us when I was a kid, and. He and his wife, they took me to their church and I got to go to VBS and learn Bible stories and all yeah. the things that would help me later in life. But when I got to be a teenager, I, I left all that. I left my first love, who was, who was right. Jesus. And then I wound up meeting Lisa and treating her terribly. But she wound up being my second love after Jesus, because when I came back home, I realized what a wretch I was. And I was only 18, but I had had a lot of bad stuff in my life. And so um I, at first, I was just going to like walk alone. I thought, you know, I'm going to try to, mm-hmm. Jesus did it. Paul did it, you know, in the Bible. And maybe I can do it. So that lasted about two months. And I realized that wasn't my gift because, you know, it's just, you know, right. it's a gift for some people, but not, not for me. Right. And so I thought, right. okay, I, I need to settle down, but I got to find somebody I can do life with. Cause I, I mean, I knew I was only 18, but I knew it was like, I, I have mm-hmm. to be in a structure situation because I'll go, I'll fly off. Mm-hmm. And so I, so I thought about Lisa and, you know, I hadn't known much about what happened after I dumped her and, but I knew she was crazy about me, that she loved me. And so I called her up Now I'm 18 and, you know, she's 17 at the time and uh, I'm about to be 19. And so I called her up and uh, she was just about to graduate high school. And so I said, Hey, I said, I'm back in town. And she said, Oh, I know I've heard, you know, cause we grew up pretty close to each other. And uh, I said, well, right. I've heard you've got some serious boyfriend. She said, oh, yeah. Of course, I think she was trying to make me jealous. She said, oh, yeah. He's asked me to marry him, you know, when we get out of school. I said, okay. And uh, so, well, you want to go out Friday night? And uh, she paused and she said, yeah. <laughs> so this poor guy, <laughs> he never had a chance. But right. anyway, so from that point forward, you know, I, I treated her respectfully. I told her about my lifestyle change that I has had right. my Lord on now and I was following him. And, and of course she was glad to hear it because her life had been such a mess too. And so we were going to like get married in like a year at the time I was working for dad and we were just building duck commander because this is like 1983. Right. And so we're just kind of getting the company off the ground. And, uh, and I was also going to college, you know, to, to get my business degree thinking one day I would run our business because I'm the oldest son. Right. And um, right. so we were going to get married in like a year because, you know, she had, it was just the summer after she had just graduated high school and her parents didn't like me at all, which is understandable because I was so terrible to her. So they were not for it, us being together. And so it was kind of a strain. But um, so but because we wanted to stay pure this time. So, <laughs> you know, that that time kept squeezing down because the way I put it, Chris, right. my my uh, biology was overtaking my theology. And so I was getting right. myself That's in right. bind. And uh, so finally, one Friday night, I said, I don't know why we're fighting all this. It was in November. It's 1984. I said, let's get married. And she was like, are you serious? And so I had bought a ring. I said, here's your ring. Oh, she's so excited. And I said, what are you? Is it a yes? She said, of course, it's a yes. And so and she said she started talking about next summer and all this. I said, no, 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 no. I said, 
Once right. I've made a decision to spend the rest of my life with somebody, the rest of my life needs to start as soon as possible. So next Friday is when I want to get married. And she's like, what? That's crazy. She said, and she said, well, yeah, I would love to. I'll marry you right now. Well, of course, that went over big. You can imagine with her family. And, you know, of course, my yeah, folks yeah. were like, they didn't care. And dad was like, that sounds like a winner to me. You're doing the right thing. Al. He said, I won't be here. I'm selling duck calls in Arkansas. But. He was out on, on the road, road right? selling duck calls. So, yeah. so in my wedding yeah. pictures, it's mom, my brothers, and then my cousin, John Kimber. But uh, <laughs> so we did it from one week to the next. The problem was that I didn't realize at the time is that there was a lot of baggage and a lot of stuff, both mm-hmm. from our individual lives, but also even then in our lives, things we needed to know. I mean, there's a reason why that through mm-hmm. the years now I've done a lot of premarital counseling with couples because. There are things you need to discuss and talk about and figure out how they're going to affect your marriage and your life. But we did know right. that. We just went into it purely blind and ignorant. And, you know, within five years, we had both of our girls and Lisa had had a miscarriage with the third one. And of course, that come well, with the abortion that she had had before. You know, she had, we right. had all these problems with both girls. I mean, Anna was in the hospital. She was a preemie, weighed less than two pounds. And so, of course, Lisa oh, wow. is thinking this whole time that God is punishing me, you know, for this abortion. Mm-hmm. So, again, she's carrying all that guilt. And then we never really dealt with what happened when I when I left her and, and, and what happened to her right. and these boys that she were with and later men. And so there was a lot of deceit in Lisa's heart that she had never really dealt with. And so, yeah. you know, at the 15-year mark of our lives, now I'm in the church. She resented it because she didn't want to be a preacher's wife because— She's like, I mean, there's nothing good about me. You know, my, I'm terrible and the things she was right. thinking. And so finally, at the 15 year mark, um, an old friend from high school, was, she was working for the company, called to order some duck calls and they got to talking. One thing leads to another. And then that wound up being a 14 month yeah. affair. And so while this is right. going on, I mean, I'm I'm the associate pastor at our church. I, I'm good at what I do. You know, people love me, you know, and I feel like all this pressure that I know something's wrong with my wife, but I don't know what to do or where to go Mm -hmm. to to fix it. And so a couple of times I kind of had a breaking point and tried to pull in some other leaders. But, you know, she's in denial and just says I'm crazy and jealous and controlling and and basically let me take the rap, you know, for what she was doing Mm -hmm. until finally I got the proof. And then it just was over just like that. And I was so empty. I didn't think, Chris, that there was we didn't have any chance, you know, and um, I told her I wanted her to leave. But she wasn't taking the girls because they were going to stay with me. I didn't trust her. I was like, you know, whatever you're going to do in your life, go do it. But but, you know, I'm done. I'm out. And um, so Mm -hmm. and that's where I thought we were. And so for and uh, my family basically was encouraging me to divorce her because they were like, you know, she's not going to change out. She had had a similar thing happen at at our five year mark. She didn't have a physical affair, but you know, there was an emotional connection. And so I thought Mm -hmm. it was over. And, uh, but Lisa went out back that we, we went at it all night for me to get her to tell the truth. And when she finally did the way we describe it now, it's like when you read Psalm 51, you know, David, mm-hmm. just like we call it truth vomit. It's just like you go, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all the ugliness comes out. And that's what she did that night. And it, mm-hmm. she told me everything. And uh, and it was ugly and it was bad. And it was, you know, obviously hurtful. But at the same time, I wanted yeah. to know because I thought I was going crazy. And so she went out right. back and she just she says that if she could have dug a hole, she would have to go lower than the ground. But she was just laid out in the grass in our backyard and she said, God, I don't know if you're there. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I have nothing mm-hmm. left. You know, I've, I've now lost my husband. I've lost my children. I've lost all my friends because they were all connected at the church. And she was like, right. I got nothing. And so, you know, God came to her in that moment and she didn't really have hope. But she said she just she left that yard thinking God can do something with me. And so it started something yeah. in her. And so at first I was, you know, I didn't believe anything she said. I didn't trust her when she walked out the door. Yeah. But God began to work on me, too, because I started realizing first we were separated about a month and about six weeks in. We start talking a little bit. And I was thinking, you crazy guy, you, you still love her, you know. And But I was like, how am I going to do it? How can I possibly live with a woman that I can't trust when she walks out the door, you know, because and so right. I was like a lot of people are. I was just in a paradox and I was stuck there. 
And so the Almighty and I were wrestling mightily one night, and I just said, God, I, I trust you. Don't trust her, but I trust you. If if I can forgive her the way you forgive me, will you will you reveal to me if she ever goes down this road again? Because I I trust you to do that. Mm-hmm. And in my heart, I felt like the answer was yes, that he would let me know what I needed to know yeah. if I was able to forgive her like he forgives me. And so that's what right. I did. And uh, I made a vow to God. And, and I realized the Bible is really serious about vows. You know, it's like, you better be careful there because yeah. this is serious. You make a vow to God. Right. When you become a Christian, you make a vow to your spouse, but you don't make a lot of vows. And I said, you know what, Lord, if, if you give me the strength to offer and extend true forgiveness, then I will never use what's happened in our past, this affair, anything to hurt Lisa mm-hmm. or to hurt us in the future. And um, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here speaking to you 24 years later, and I've held the vow because I trusted him that much. And so, as you can imagine, and a lot of people say when they're raw into you know a post-affair or whatever, they're like, well, how could you possibly right. do that? And I said, look, it wasn't easy. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but that's what God does for us. He says, you know, I'm extending you forgiveness that I'm not going to throw back up into the next argument. Right. And so that for me was what made it work in through the early tough days when I was still so mistrustful over the now 24 years. It's amazing. We, we've gone way past where we were before. What we now right. have is a relationship that's so Christ centered and so loving toward each other that we can now say and do that. We would not change anything that's happened to get us to this point. And there's a lot of bad stuff that happened, but, but you know what? It took right. all that for us to finally surrender fully to God and to Christ. And so that's what allows us to be able to not only have forgiveness for each other, but other people. And so you can imagine what happened. You know, I work in a church, you know, and later became the pastor, but people were sending people to Lisa and I like crazy because, you know, they had, had adultery or had you know, infidelity yeah. in their relationship. And they were like, how did you do it? You know, you're like, well, look, there's no magic system. It's just about forgiveness and trust in God because you don't trust each mm-hmm. other. And I get it. And so I think people felt like when they talked to us that there was no judgment of where they were, where they had been. And it wasn't because we had just discovered it ourselves. And so we began helping a lot of people. And eventually we started doing our testimony a few years later that led to our first book called A New Season. Uh, And then now the book you have is Desperate Forgiveness, which was our follow up uh, to that first book. Because what's happened is over 24 years now, we've been able to impact a lot of other people's marriages and relationships and the couple that leads our marriage ministry back home at church, our re-engage at West Bay road. Uh, they were a couple that were devastated by, you know, adultery and a lot of other stuff. And yeah. we helped them find the healing they needed from God and each other. And now they lead our marriage ministry and they're helping people in our community. So that's what happens when you go all in because of what God's done for us. So it's the same, everything we have came out of failure whether it was abortion into pro-life, it was adultery that led to strong marriage. And so, you know, what God delivers us from is typically what we can help kingdom wise the best, if we're willing to be used by God. Amen to that, bro. Hey, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back, guys. Outside of God's word, what should you be reading to grow as a Christian leader? It can be daunting to see all the options available these days. To help bring you some sanity to your search, we compiled all of our featured books of the week so you can make wise choices and strengthen your mind. The topics range from health, wealth, and self, so there's something there for all you guys. Whether you're looking for books for yourself or maybe you're researching ideas for other men, this is going to be a resource that brings you value. So check out the lionwithin.us forward slash book to see what would serve you the best right now and start sharpening your mind to be that leader you're predestined to be. That's the line within.us forward slash book to learn more. Al, I'm curious, you mentioned that <clears throat> your family was, was, was encouraging yes. you to leave and to free, to leave her. But I, I, you know, I know, you know, Phil and Kay had their issues that were prior to him yep. getting saved. What did, what did Miss Kay, you know, she, she had the ultimate forgiveness for him. Was she able to help you during that time at all? I'm just curious what type of counsel you yeah, got that's from her. A, it's very insightful, Chris, because 
mom was probably the only one in in the, my family at that point that was kind right. of more like you know I don't know you know I'm not so I'm not as sure as everybody else that that you know she can't change sure and she was much more sensitive and, and I think you're right I think the reason why is because of of what she did. And, you know, it's really interesting because it's a whole other story that maybe I'll come on your podcast another time and tell the story of Phyllis. But so we found out we had a sister um, that is now in our mm-hmm. lives and it's, you yep. know, almost three years. But the night that mom and dad, the night I told them, I happened to be the one to te- give them the information that this woman thinks she's my sister and, and dad's daughter. Right. Mom looks at dad. Now this 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 woman's forty four years old. Phyllis is forty four, and I got this letter. She looks at Dad, yeah, and she says, "Phil, you know I've always wanted a girl, and there's been one out here for forty four years, and I'm just not going to get to meet her." Now you would think that a wife that just found out her husband has a kid that he fathered, being unfaithful right. to her forty four years later, would be upset with him, the situation, or whatever, but she wasn't. And and she was genuinely open. And what that told me, Chris, was that when my mom forgave my dad 44 years earlier when he became a Christian of everything he had been involved in. And she knew he would, was unfaithful to her. She really meant it because mm-hmm. when something happened 44 years later, she didn't go right at him and say, hey, you stupid jerk. You know, you did all this to me back then. Right. Instead, she's like, I can't wait to meet a, my new daughter. And so. Yes, uh, mom was a big help for me. And then she was the one that really helped Lisa, too, because Lisa, you know, obviously when we got back together, she was very humble through the whole process. And that's what you have to do. And by the way, if there's anybody that is listening in your audience that has been the one that, you know, has had an affair or done something to hurt somebody else, they say, well, how should I react humbly? Keep your humility because that's mm. what's going to help you get through this. And so she wrote a letter to everybody in my family. And basically said, look, I'm sorry I hurt, you know, your, your brother, your son, you know, your brother-in-law. Uh, I'm sorry right. I hurt you. I'm sorry I hurt our family. But I have now come to a relationship with Christ. Alan and I are going to try to make a run. I'm going to try to be the best I can possibly be going forward. Please forgive me. And, you know, that's all she could do. And uh, and one yeah. by one, that's exactly what my family did. And you could ask any of them right now if they were doing a – your podcast or shows, you know, who's a woman yeah. you really respect? Every one of them, my brothers, my sister-in-laws would say, well, we respect Lisa because of what she's done to, to submit herself to Christ. So it was really, you know, it, it, it got as good as it was bad for that short period of time later on to see that happen yeah. within the family. And she's the go-to. I mean, you know, all of my nieces and nephews and now great nieces and great nephews, they all love Aunt Lisa. And will come to us with any problem because they know they won't feel judged. Right, that is wonderful. I, I am curious. That we got you know again a lot of guys listening, and sometimes when we come up with those arguments and things happen in, in our marriage or, or our relationships, we we turn into historians yeah. and we 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 keep bringing that those stuff back. Any advice on how we can can let some of that go, that historical stuff, so we can actually move well, forward? And I'm not saying this just to try to sell books because I didn't write my books to make money. I wrote my books to help people. But if if you're still mm-hmm. in any of those struggles or have been through that and are still struggling with this, buy the books. I mean, buy a new season, buy mm-hmm. Desperate Forgiveness, read them. Uh, and you can do one if you don't buy two. You can get desperate because we basically tell mm-hmm. our story at the first of it and then tell you some more. But and, and listen to what we did or what God did in us uh, for, for ourselves, because if you approach forgiveness as a momentary thing instead of a lifelong thing, it won't work. I mean, it's got to be bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God told us, he said, I, I will make a covenant with my people. I will forgive them their sins and remember them no more. And the reason he says that is because if you continue to go back, to a place that you can't get healing from, you'll eventually lose the relationship. But here's the problem. So you think, well, you know, we just couldn't make that work. When you go into your next relationship, guess what you're going to take with you? All the baggage from the first one. It goes right, right with you. And you think you've learned and maybe I married the wrong person and you know all this stuff. None of that's true. It's about commitment. It's about a commitment to God, and a commitment to your spouse and finding a way to make it work. Jace talks about it all the time on our podcast. He said, Missy and I should never be married in terms of compatibility and all the things, you know, you think make you a husband and wife. 
He said, we got married and we're right. still married because of Jesus, and how much we love him. And that's really it. And he's right. They are as different as two people can be, but they are in love with each other. Yeah. They've raised a great family. They now got their grandkids coming along, but it was because of Jesus. That's how they did. Amen. And that, and by the way, that's the, the best, the, the episodes I enjoy the most. I know we're taking a little tangent here, but when Missy comes on just to see Jay squirm, <laughs> That's the best part of Honest I'm sure you guys get a lot of positive feedback. We do, feedback and, and I've told you before, Chris, I, I personally love it because I've spent most of my life <laughs> tormenting Jace, you know, because he's the next brother in line. And so, and he and I just, you know, we always sparked. It's, it's really interesting that we're so close now, but we're not close like you'd think. We're not like, you know, let me talk to you any hour. That We're not like that. Right. But we have a respect for each other that's amazing. And, but I do love to torment him. And so when Missy makes him squirm, it makes my day. I mean, so Missy has a standing invitation. Anytime you want to be on the podcast, you let me know. You don't even have to tell Jace. You can do, he can just show up and you're just sitting in the chair, and uh, which makes it even funnier. That's right. This, I guess the surprise uh, appearances Sneak would attack. be the best yeah, ones, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I just think forgiveness. I'm, I'm so thankful that you were willing to share your story, you and Lisa and, 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 you know, Phil and Kay, they share their story. And I just think your, 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 your family in general, just the, the, the picture of forgiveness. I mean, and to go through what you guys have went through as well as have the, the national spotlight that you had. And then, <clears throat> unless I'm mistaken, you haven't had any divorces or anything like that through your family. You guys are just, are still completely grounded in Christ. And yeah, leading. we've, um, you know, everybody's had problems. I mean, Lisa and I are probably, you know, had the most in terms of my brothers and, and their wives. But we've all had issues from from different times. It hasn't been perfect at all. And then I mentioned to you about mom and dad, you know, all of their early life. Right. And and easily they could have divorced. You know, if dad hadn't, uh, you know, turned to Christ, they would have, I'm sure, because he just and he'd probably be dead. Um, but, yeah, I mean, God has blessed us in that, in that faithfulness to him. And we are still married to yeah. the same, you know, spouses. And, uh, you know, now my kids are married and uh, my my oldest daughter you know, shockingly to me has now been married for uh, 19 years. Next year will be 20 years. And, uh, you know, so to get to live and do life with them and and my other daughter's been married for eight years. um, You know, it's, it's really incredible because we were talking about, we had to do some kind of trip because Lisa and I on our 40th will be the 20th for my oldest and the 10th for my youngest. And it, yeah, it's awesome. And and it's, it's a legacy going forward of blessed generations. Yeah. And so my grandkids are the most blessed because they have stability and they have people that love each other. And so my 16 year old, who's my oldest granddaughter, you know, had some struggles last year and, you know, went through some tough times. And, you know, I remember right. what it was like when I was 16. So did her grandmother, you know, my wife, but you know what, we were able right. to sit and talk and cry with her and love her and forgive her and help her find what she needed in Christ and now watching her grow right. through all that process, you do that when you're together and you and you're making good spiritual decisions. And so that's how you do it. You know, you, yeah. but remember, humility is the key. You can't ever get start looking at yourself thinking you're a big mm-hmm. deal. One of my favorite pictures of forgiveness right. uh, comes from Luke chapter seven, where the woman is just mm-hmm. laid out at Jesus feet. And she's so broken and she's so aware of her own sinfulness but she knows he's the answer, you know, and she's crying on his feet and she's washing them with her hair and she's pouring perfume on him. And the thing that makes the scene even, even more beautiful is that there's a guy sitting over there, a Pharisee, the guy who owns the house looking at her and just Mm -hmm. having straight contempt because of her pouring this out. And then Jesus, of course, winds up rebuking him, but loving her. And he says an amazing line, he says in verse 47, this is how I sign all my books um, about forgiveness. He says, to the person who has been forgiven much, they will love much. But to, but to the person who's been forgiven little, they will love little. And he was talking about Simon the Pharisee. Mm-hmm. He was like, the reason that you're not a loving person is because you're not embracing the forgiveness of God. You think you're a big deal. This woman who's pouring her heart mm-hmm. out. She's the one that's going to love the most. And of course she did. And I'm yeah. sure the rest of her life she did. So that's a great concept. Sometimes you wonder why my attitude is not right. Why I can't get along with people. Maybe you need to embrace yeah. more forgiveness from God and let some things go. Absolutely. That is wonderful. 
Well, we're going to take our last break and we'll be right back. I get a chance to talk to guys every week. And one consistent struggle that keeps rising is the lack of community. To address this, we created the Lion's Den to start building a community of Christian brothers with the aim of serving them resources to combat the darkness. We are working hard to bring encouragement, inspiration, and tips to help you be the leader you're predestined to be. As part of the Lion's Den, you'll also be first in line with new opportunities, events, and resources that are designed to serve you in your journey. So hop over to thelionwithin.us to sign up for the Lion's Den for free. That's the line within us and become a member of the Lions Den today. So Al, you, you've unpacked so much just wonderful insight for our listeners today around pro-life, around forgiveness. I mean, I just think your family is a picture of forgiveness. I mean, I'm even thinking of Jeff and, and the, yep. what he went through and then how he came back and what he said, what yep. took you guys so long, but this, that, that you wrap your arms around. And then I just think there's so much to learn from, from you all. And I'm just thankful that you're, willing and to be vulnerable enough to share that because that's how we, we need more real raw conversations like this to help no, us grow. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, we, we used to joke when we were doing the show, doing the, as we call it now, the little duck show, the little, little duck, duck show little that duck could, show. Uh, yeah. when we were doing that, you know, it, it was amazing because people were, did, didn't know, obviously know who we were, unless you were in, like in the hunting world. And they were like, who is this family? And so we started writing books. Well, we were telling everything about our lives. And I can just remember how shocked, you know, media people were that we were so open. And so my joke for a long time was we're families like ours put TMZ out of business, you know, because you don't have to get shocking, (laughs) unearthing things from our past. We're willing to talk about it and show what God has done. And so I think that's one of the reasons why our show was popular, why people loved us, because we were authentic and are and we were real and uh and we have fun and we you know yeah. we, we kid around with each other and as you know from listening to our podcast we'll throw somebody under the bus in a heartbeat mm-hmm. but then you know at the end of the day we're all together and so i yeah. think that's a right. lot of people connected with that around the country and and like yeah. you said they saw that and they people love authenticity people don't like things that are fake Mm-hmm. And when they turn out to be fake and right. someone was acting like they were something that they really weren't, I mean, nobody can respect that. But if you're just, you know, that's why dad didn't get any grief from when we found out we had a daughter. You know, you'd think that his enemies, because right. he has a lot of enemies, but you'd think they would say, oh, look at this hypocrite. But they didn't. You know what they said? You know, he said he was bad. Yep. So it's not really a shocker that he has this daughter now. So right. I, I just think, you know, that's what happens when we're truthful. I always say that. If you release your own and set off your own bomb, then you don't have to have a ticking time mm-hmm. bomb for the evil one to do it. Because trust me, he will. He's going to bring out your issues right. in the worst possible light and the worst possible way to do the most damage to you and other people around you. So let's don't let's don't let the evil one set That's off right. the bombs. Let's just go ahead and be truthful and talk about it ourselves. Amen to that. And I can attest to that, Al. Just for the, the line within us, the episodes that get the most feedback or you know, where, where I'm wrong, like where I shared about the, the, the quiet delivery room, you know, where right. I share about bouts with anxiety, what that actually looks like. And just just being real, you know, not trying to be fake and come off like I got this all figured out and just, hey, here, guys, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what here's how I dealt with it. And here's how the Lord led me and make more conversations like that are what we need. So, you Agreed. know, we. We, we wrap up the line within us with what we call feeding time, Al. And, and that's where we just kind of, it's a quick lightning round. I just have a couple of questions. So if you're willing to play, we'll, uh, we'll jump in and have some, have some fun with this. Let's do it. All right, cool. So what's your favorite thing about God? My favorite thing about God yeah. um, is that he is relentlessly passionate about mm. the people he's created. Uh, and that's everybody. You know, yeah. even the, the the people that we would think don't deserve God's love. He says, nope, I I want everybody to be saved. And right. and his passion allows us to have the opportunity to turn it around. So that's probably what I love about the most, that he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Amen. What's your least favorite thing about Satan? Oh, man. Um, my least favorite thing about Satan is that he is so good at making lies sound mm-hmm. like truth. Um, he, you know, he, he did it in the garden in the beginning. He just, yeah. you know, 
three fourths of what he told Eve was was mm-hmm. on target, but but of course skewered. And right. so I think now you see this what I call the coarse dialogue of what happens whether it's politics or whatever in our country, right. the cesspool that can be social media, all that is motivated by, motivated by what Satan does best, make lies sound like truth. Amen. What do you wish you would have learned sooner about God? You know, I, I probably wish I had learned uh, how far his grace reached because I spent so mm-hmm. much of my early life feeling guilty. Uh, mm-hmm. about my mistakes and about my weaknesses. And mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, I realized that God's loved me through every bit of that. And right. he never, he never like was turned to, had his back turned to me because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. So I wish I had understood the depth of his grace. You know, I, I read that verse yep. in Ephesians three that talks about how high and love and wide right. uh, and deep is the love of Christ. And there's nowhere you can go, nowhere too low, nowhere too high, nowhere too far east and west. That his love is not there. Amen. So what's what's something you're currently struggling with right now? Um, I'd say my biggest struggle these days is is trying to to get it all done, you know, to figure mm. out how, how to get it all done. I mean, we we get a lot of opportunities to go and Lisa and I are on the road constantly. And and it's just I mean, it sounds kind of crazy. Oh, that sounds great. You got all this stuff. But Sometimes it doesn't in the sense that I'm just not sure exactly where we should be emphasizing. Right. Uh, and I spent most of my life in full-time ministry. And now for the last nine years, I haven't been paid by a church, but mm-hmm. I still work for more than one. And so, right. you know, I, I think it's just trying to figure out exactly what God wants me to do uh, and to be able to appreciate that. Understand that. What's a, what's a new habit that you're going to try to create this year? New habit this year. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. It won't be sports because I've given all that up. Gave all that up. <laughs> Mainly because my body won't allow me to uh, anymore. Uh, I don't know. I haven't I haven't really thought about a, a, a new habit to pick up. I've thought about trying now that I'm I'm actually coming to you from what we call the Southern Lair, right. uh, which, which is our Gulf Shores place. And, you know, all my early life I fished and loved yep. it. And then we commercial fish and I kind of didn't love it. But my mm-hmm. neighbor is a guide and he's been trying to get me to start fishing again. And I've been really tempted to give it another run and kind of get, okay. you know, forget about the other stuff. So I guess maybe fishing uh, because there there's nothing better than being on the water. That's for sure. Amen. Amen. So the last question now is what is one thing you hope that the listeners out there today remember from our conversation? Well, probably what we talked about, in terms of, you know, being able to have the capacity to receive and extend forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think it really arched everything we talked about, because even if the pro-life stuff is something exciting to you, you know, that springs out of forgiveness because people are desperately seeking that for mistakes that were made, whether it was what got me pregnant to begin with or the fact maybe I had an abortion. So I think the forgiveness um, both accepted and then extended. Uh, is what I right. would love for your listeners to take away from today. I love it. Is there is there anything else you'd like to share, or where would you like the listeners to go to connect and learn more and, and support you and what you guys are doing? Well, uh, you know, you can if you want to know more about our marriage stuff that we do. We write blogs. It's Al and Lisa Robertson. Al A N D and Lisa Robertson okay. dot com uh, okay. is our website, and so we have some try to put some regular stuff on there and resources for people. Uh, so that might help you. And then you mentioned it. I mean, the Unashamed podcast, you can watch it uh, on YouTube because we film it uh, or you can listen to it uh, through iTunes right. or you know, however you get your your podcast. So, I, you know, I think Unashamed, we've done now over 500 episodes. So yeah. if you start now, it's going to really take you a while. But if, right. you, if you love it like Chris apparently does, uh, you, you'll want to listen more. And I would just encourage your listeners to continue uh, doing what you're doing, uh, Chris, because I, I, I love it that. So many people that listen to our podcasts are also podcasters because, in, you know, we're just talking about what God has done in our lives or how we want to impact people. I love that. I think that's fantastic. We're not competing with other podcasts. We're just encouraging conversation. And as you mentioned, authentic, godly conversation. So. Amen, brother. Well, thank you so much. And from the bottom of my heart, Al, thank you so much. You shared so much for our listeners today. And it's just been an absolute honor, sir. You're very welcome. Thank you, bud. You wouldn't jump in a boxing ring and expect to win without training, right? 
So why do you think you can win the battle against Satan without putting in the work? For the Christian man, it starts with knowing scripture in your heart. To help you out and get started with your training, we created a free guide of 10 scriptures you need to fight like a lion. Go grab this free resource, and I'm going to come alongside of you in a series of personal and engaging messages designed to challenge and help you grow. So get equipped today with scripture that will help you fight the battle you're in. Visit thelionwithin.us to get started today. That's thelionwithin.us to unlock this free guide you need to fight like a lion. Guys, I warned you. I told you that was going to be a powerful conversation. Al brought the just so much. It's such a blessing to be able to work with him, to be able to serve him. Guys, go back and listen to it. Go back and listen to the forgiveness. Go back and listen to the way you can support pro-life. So much there. Check out the show notes. We'll have links to Unashamed, all the things that Al mentioned. We want to support that. If you're not listening to Unashamed, jump on it. I mean, that's, that's a show I listen to every week when it comes out. I, I, I can't get enough of it. It's great content, guys. It, it will help you grow in your walk in Christ. And I want you to think about this week. How do you fight for the defenseless? You. How do you fight for the defenseless? Al gave us some great ideas. So lean into that, guys. Lean into it. Go to thelionwithin.us and check us out there. All the resources, the Bible study, the, the, the courses, the coaching. We want to come alongside of you and help you grow to be the leader you're predestined to be. I can't believe that we have an opportunity to speak with Al, and I know his message is going to impact so many people. So again, join the Lion's Den. That's free on, on the website, thelionwithin.us. Check us out there. We have all the resources there to serve you guys. We're building stuff every week to try to come out and help you be the leader you're predestined to be. So share this with others. Give us a rating and review. That would make a big difference. Thank you again for, for supporting the show and just for being here. I would just encourage you to keep coming back. Come back on Fun Friday. I'm going to wrap all this up for us and give you some tips and some dad jokes going to your weekend. Pray you guys have a great, great day. Thank you so much. Now get out there and unleash the lion within. 